Over the next few weeks, we're going to be asking the question, who is Jesus? Most important question you can ask and answer in your life, who is Jesus? And uh, our spiritual growth campaigns include several elements. One is going to be a sermon series that we're going to do. I'm going to be preaching out of the Gospel of John. I'm going to be preaching on the I am statements of Jesus, hence the sign that we've got up here. And then our weekend sermon is going to be tied also into the material we're going to be studying in our small groups. And the goal is is that together over the next few weeks we're going to look intently at an area of discipleship, an area of commitment that you need to make in your life in order to grow to be more spiritually mature. So uh, in our small groups we're going to be reading through the Gospel of John. Now, we're going to encourage you in the group to actually sit down together, read through the Gospel of John. And then you're going to have some questions to consider. And each week it's going to be the same three questions. What did you hear? What do you think? What are you going to do about it? What did you hear? What do you think? What are you going to do about it? And that's going to flow out of our reading in the Gospel of John. Now think for, uh, with me for a moment about what you like to read. Because some of you like to read fiction and novels. Some of you like to read biographies and history. Some of you like to read newspapers or magazines. Some of you like to read comic books. Okay? Now, whether you read People magazine or the Wall Street Journal, nothing is going to change your life the way the Gospel of John will change your life. Because the Gospel of John was not written to entertain us or to inform us or even to inspire us. The Gospel of John was written to change us. It was written to give us life. In fact, we're going to take a look in the 20th chapter of the book of John. I've learned over the years that the answers are always in the back of the book. And so if you go to the back of the Gospel of John, you go to John 20, 31, it's a backdoor key to the Gospel of John. And if you can understand this key at the back of the book, you'll understand the rest of what's, of what's happening in John. Let's read this out loud together. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There it is. There's the purpose of the Gospel of John, that you would believe and have life. Now, in the Bible, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the life story of Jesus. And when you read those four Gospels, you find out that they don't portray a different picture of Jesus. They don't contradict themselves. Uh, They really, ultimately, they fill in the gaps for one another. Uh, Imagine uh, imagine this. Imagine that there is an accident down here on Highway 58. Can you imagine that? Kind of down here where Big Lots is having their 20% off sale. Any of you notice those signs today? Imagine there's an accident down there, and there are four people who witnessed the accident. Now, if you interviewed all four of those people and got their perspective on what happened, you would have a better understanding. It's not that they would contradict one another. They would fill in the gaps for what happened in that accident. That's the same thing that happens as you read through the Gospels. That's why God gave us different perspectives from these different authors. And as you start to read the Gospel of John, you're going to discover that it is very different than the other three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as synoptic gospels. Synoptic, S-Y-N, like synonym, means similar, alike, optic, you look at something. Synoptic gospels mean they have kind of the same perspective. 
the same viewpoint on the life of Jesus. John takes a different approach. So he is not a synoptic gospel. Now Matthew, Mark, and Luke follow a chronological order. Uh, you just see the life of Jesus unfold before you with his birth, his childhood, uh, grows to adulthood, his ministry, his arrest, his trial, his death, his resurrection. It just kind of like this running video of Jesus' life. In fact, Luke at the beginning of his gospel says, I've written in chronological order all the things that happened in the life of Jesus. John doesn't do it that way. You know, instead of video, John gives you snapshots. Instead of Vimeo, it's Instagram. Okay? And, and there's a difference between a snapshot and a video. You know, a snapshot, I can sit and look at it and see all the fine detail in it. I can't do that with a video because it runs by pretty quickly. But in a snapshot, I can look at it in every little detail. And that's what John does. That's what John does. He takes these snapshots of Jesus' life and puts them in an album for us. He says, I want you to look at the fine details of, Ju of who Jesus is. Now, John's already read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. John wrote his last. He's the oldest living disciple, and he wrote his Gospel last. So he sits down, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, let's take a look in detail at who Jesus is. Now, the Gospel of John gives you sort of a 3D picture. It looks at the life of Jesus in three dimensions. It looks at the physical life of Jesus, it looks at the spiritual life that Jesus offers, and it looks at the eternal ramifications of that life. Three dimensions, physical, spiritual, eternal. They all run through this book. You know, John tells you what's happening in the world and then he gives the spiritual meaning of it and then he unfolds the internal the eternal meaning behind it and so he moves us from one to the other to the other so that I can believe that Jesus Christ is God's son and have eternal life these are the thing these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name the word believe. The word believe is used 11 times in Matthew, 14 times in Mark, 9 times in Luke. 11, 14, and 9 times in the other Gospels. John uses the word believe 98 times. 98 times. You know, that's how important for John. It's all about believe. And that's what I'm praying for you. I've been praying for you for weeks as we've been preparing this series. I have been praying that as we study this book, as we take this three-dimensional look at Jesus Christ, that it will deepen and strengthen your belief, your faith in Jesus Christ. That you will truly believe in him. Because that's why the gospel was written. But John doesn't just stop with believing. Many of you may say, oh yeah, I believe. I believe. But believing is not the end result. Belief ultimately brings us to life, to new life, abundant life, eternal life. It's a higher quality of life than you could ever imagine living apart from Jesus Christ. And that's John's goal. As you read through the Gospel of John, as you read through John over the next few weeks, watch how often the concepts of belief and life are tied together. It's just amazing. Because John isn't just advocating belief. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith for faith's sake. It is a faith that brings you to abundant 
eternal life changes how you live. And that's what we're praying will happen for you over the next few weeks. I want to give you a quick overview of uh, the, the Gospel of John. Look at how John has arranged these snapshots in his scrapbook. And he starts out in chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 of chapter 1. Uh, we're calling that section, In the Beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And this is about how Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, came into the world. This is John's Christmas story. Uh, You know, it's a little different than the other Gospels, but John makes the point that Jesus Christ was God. Jesus Christ was eternal. He was divine. He is the Creator. Christ is equal with God. And yet He became a man and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ was very God and very man. And then in the rest of chapter 1 through chapter 12, big chunk of the Gospel of John is about Jesus in the crowds. This is about his ministry to the multitudes. And John gives us snapshots of seven great signs, seven great miracles that Jesus did, one right after another, to prove that he was who he said he was. And Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding party. Jesus healed the nobleman's son. He healed the man at Bethesda. He fed the 5,000 with the fishes and loaves. He walked on the water. He healed the blind man. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And with every miracle that Jesus worked, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders of that time, got more and more angry with him. To the point where when he raised Lazarus from the dead, that was the last straw. And these seven signs pushed them over the brink caused them to arrest Christ, to try him, and even crucify him, nailing him to a cross. Now, uh, in the crowds, uh, during this, Jesus does uh, these seven signs, but also there are seven times when Jesus says, I am. You know, he answers the question, who is Jesus? He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And Christ just lays out for us who he is. That's what we're going to look at in the sermons. An incredibly organized book. I know the power, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is just interesting as you look through there how often the number seven plays a role. You know, you, you've got these seven signs, the seven I am's, and then there are seven individuals that come out of the crowd. They're singled out of the crowd. John the Baptist, Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, the official and his son, man at Bethesda, the man born blind, Lazarus, Mary, Martha. And in the Gospel of John, there are these personal interviews, these almost snapshot portraits, selfies, of people in the Gospel of John. And it's like like John's sort of the Larry King, Pierce Morgan of the Gospels. He's got this one-on-one interview thing going on. And people are asking Jesus probing questions, and Jesus is asking them questions. What about this? What about that? They get right down to the heart of the matter. And and that one-on-one personal interaction thing with Jesus, that's that's what I love about the Gospel of John, because it helps me think about Jesus talking one-on-one with me, answering my questions, asking me questions. The next part of the book of John is in the upper room. And this is, uh, you know, the, uh, in the crowds, it, it's the public ministry of Christ. In the upper room, it's the most intimate ministry of Jesus Christ. It's in the upper room where Jesus just pours himself into his disciples. He tells them what's the most important to him. You know, at the very last, he talks with them about the things that will last. And he talks to them about peace and the Holy Spirit and joy and how they're going to make an impact on the world. 
And it's just a very personal outpouring of the heart of Jesus Christ in the upper room. And then we get into the darkness. Next part of the book is the darkest part of the book. That's when Christ is arrested. Uh, he's uh, on trial. He's crucified and buried. You know, this is the part of the gospel that would be depressing if we didn't have the rest of the story. It's the dark part. But then we move on, and John takes us out of the tomb when Jesus Christ is resurrected. And then John looks at how Jesus meets these people personally and individually after he arose. He had an encounter with Mary Magdalene, with Doubting Thomas, and with Simon Peter. And Christ had a word for each one of them. And that word can speak into our lives and change our lives as a result. Now, as we look at this brief overview of John's gospel, as we prepare to wade into this gospel over the next few weeks, I thought today we would just take time to pray specifically about how the different parts of this book can strengthen our faith and give us abundant and eternal life. So let me give you a list of things, some things I've been praying for over the last few weeks in preparation for this, things that I would like for you to be praying about for the next few weeks as we go through this together. First, let's pray that the Lord will use this study to make our faith seem possible. A lot of people that Jesus met didn't feel like they could believe. You know, have you ever faced a situation where you thought, I'm not sure I can have faith in this situation. I'm not sure I can believe in God in this situation. You ever had that kind of situation? If you haven't, are you human? <laughs> if you haven't, you will. You know, and we all need to find in the stories of the Gospel of John the possibility, the hope that faith can happen in my life regardless of what the situation is that I'm going through. That regardless of what I'm facing in life, I can have faith, not fear. Faith, not doubt. Faith, not unbelief. And then number two, let's pray specifically that each of us, as we have this personal conversation with Christ, that it will make our faith seem more personal. But faith won't seem like some abstract feeling that, that Christ will not just be some strange character in an old book. But that through our reading and studying and sharing in the Gospel of John that Jesus Christ will become more real to us. That our faith will become personal. That's why this book was written. So that we could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Number three, let's pray specifically that studying the miracles and works of Jesus will make our faith seem more powerful. You know, when we see what Jesus Christ can do, he can raise the dead, he can walk on the water, he can turn water into wine, he can heal the sick. When we see what Christ can do, when we see the power of Christ, it shrinks our problems down to reasonable size. You know, your faith increases, as your faith increases in Christ, the power increases in your life. And so we're going to pray to that end, that you would be more powerful because of your faith in Christ. And number four, let's pray specifically that looking at the words of Jesus would enable us to make our faith more practical. How can I experience joy in my life? How can I experience peace? How do I deal with frustration? How do I deal with depression? Jesus Christ talks about those things. The words of Jesus Christ are the most practical words that you will ever hear. Peter, after listening to the amazing words of Christ, Peter says, Lord, you alone have the words that bring life. 
That's how important the words of Jesus Christ are. And I'm just praying, and I invite you to pray, that the words of Christ will abide, that the word of Christ will take up residence in your heart and life. Fifth, we're going to pray specifically, uh, focusing on the cross and the resurrection. We're going to pray that our faith will be more passionate. You know, when we talk about the resurrection and the cross of Christ, that's the passion of Christ. That's why the movie's called The Passion of Christ. That's why we call it a passion play. Because it is a picture of the great love, the passion that Christ has for us. And so we're going to pray that as you read through the Gospel of John, that the, as you see the greatness of God's love for you on the cross, that it will increase your love, your passion for Christ. But it's not just about faith. It's not just about faith that's possible, personal, powerful, practical, or passionate. The goal is life. The goal is that you will have new life in his name. That's what we're striving for. And we're going to pray to that end right now. Would you pray with me? Lord, you you gave us this gospel to grow, to deepen, to strengthen our faith. You gave us this book so that we could find life so that we could know Christ. There's not one of us here who doesn't need that. And so, Lord, I just pray these things for each of us. I pray that as we study this book, that our faith will seem possible to us, maybe for the first time, even areas of our life where we haven't been able to apply it yet, that we might have breakthroughs and victories in our lives like we never have before. Jesus said, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. And so, Lord, we come now praying, asking, seeking, knocking in faith and expecting you to answer in great and mighty ways. God, we have marriages that need to be healed. We have children and family members who need to be saved. We have friends, neighbors, coworkers, strangers who need to find new life in Christ. We have finances that need to be fixed, budgets that need to be balanced. We have hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we need to recover from. Lord, we have come to the end of ourselves, and now we come to you in faith, crying out, be our Savior. I just pray that as we hear you talking with the individuals in this gospel, that we will hear you talking to us, and that our faith would become very personal. That like Thomas, we might cry out, my Lord, my God. That we would own you as our Savior. Lord, I ask that our faith would grow in power. That as we see the miracle working power that you have, I just ask you, Lord, to help us see practical ways every day that we can live in the power and presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit. That in our families, in our lives, in our workplaces, at school, wherever we are, that we would see the power of Christ unleashed in our lives. God, I pray that as we see how deeply you love us, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God, would we believe and that our belief would be deep and become passionate, not a faked kind of passion, but a a passion that grows honestly and genuinely out of knowing how deeply you love us. And God, I would pray that you would use this book in my life, in each of our lives, to bring us new life, to bring us an abundant life, an eternal life, to bring us a quality of life that we never imagined possible in ourselves. But that our faith would unleash within us a life full of passion and 
purpose, and power, and the presence of Christ so that we can live in a way that we've never been able to before. And that as we do that, that your son would be lifted up and you would receive the glory and that the very gates of hell would shake in fear in response to the faith of the people in this church. That there would be a move of God in our midst that would change us for generations. God, that's what we cry out for. That's what we expect. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.